All right, so let's get into the Word of God this morning. First of all, it's so great to be here. It's such a blessing to be at this church. It's been a long time, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that, that Zach gave me uh, Joshua chapter 3, and so what I'd like to do is um, I'm just going to read the whole chapter, and then what I'd like to do is circle back and make some applications out of kind of the first chunk of the chapter, but let's, uh, let's read together. Um, I'm in cha- uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way that you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. Verse 14, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as the bearing, uh, excuse me, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose in a heap a very, uh, very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of, the, uh, of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Jordan, um, the Ark of the Covenant, excuse me, of the Lord, stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. The word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. I know it's a story that we've heard, at least a lot of us have, a lot of times. But God, would you give us ears to hear it for like it's the first time. And I pray, God, you would speak to us directly. 
and that you'd, you would encourage us to trust you and to walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, I'm excited that, that Zach gave me uh, an assignment, this assignment, Joshua chapter 3. And as we come to Joshua 3 and 4, as a lot of you know, this is the chapter dealing with this miraculous um, you know, parting of the Jordan River. You know, We read about it, the waters heaping up and the children of Israel passing over from um, the east side into uh, the west, into the, the promised land. Um, this is no doubt, I mean, hands down, one of the most significant events in the life of Israel uh, as a nation. I mean, they're, trans, they're transitioning, excuse me, from, from uh, the desert into the promised land and from eating manna to, to having farms. And this is a, a game changer. Um, everything they know is about to change. And, and as true as that is for the nation, I've been thinking about how it relates to um, these individual Israelites that were alive at this time, this new generation who heard the stories of their parents going through the Red Sea and they, they had their own you know miraculous things in the desert, but now they're literally on the brink of going into the promised land, something they've heard about their whole life. And this is it. And life as they know is about to change. Um, and I think about them. I've been trying to put my, myself into their, their um, sandals, so to speak, and what was going through their mind. Excitement, joy, maybe a little bit of fear of like, man, what if we screw up like our parents did or whatever. But they're at the brink of, of doing this incredible act of, of, of faith, really, as they step in. And that's what I want to talk about because... Um, you know, as I consider this, I don't think it was probably till later when they looked back at this that they realized the magnitude of what was happening. You ever been in a situation where, you know, you're in it, you're praying through it, and then you come through it, and then you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, like, Lord did this and the Lord did that. I don't even think they quite grasp the magnitude of all that God was about to do in them and for them and through them. But this is the point I, I want to make this morning, is that none of those things that God was about to do and would do as you read on through the book, all the other miraculous things, much less crossing the Jordan, none of that was going to happen um, apart from faith. Faith is the whole thing here. God is wanting to do great things, but it's, it's really nothing's going to happen unless faith is involved. And this is where it gets super practical uh, for us as believers. And I'm not going to go through the entire chapter. Like I said, I just want to pick some stuff out of the first part. But this is where we're going with this. Um, see, I believe God wants to do great things in you and for you and through you and in me and for me and through me, but none of it's without faith. Guys, faith is um, the whole Christian life. The entire Christian life has this faith element to it. And I don't know if we always consider that or think about it. We kind of think about it in terms oftentimes of like, well, I'm saved by grace through faith. That's where I exercised my faith. Yes, amen, that's true, right on. But it doesn't stop there. We live by faith from start to finish through the Christian life. And can I just be really candid? I don't even like that sometimes. Honestly, living by faith is uncomfortable 
Um, it means I'm out of control, it feels like sometimes. I'm having to live in a place where I, I don't understand things. But guys, nonetheless, it's about faith. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, we walk by faith, we, not by sight. In Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. You guys get the point. It's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. And, and guys, just like they went into the promised land and experienced all that via faith, we're going into the promised life, and it's through faith. God wants to do those things in, for, and through us but it's through faith. And I, I, I know you guys have an awesome pastor. I know you've been taught well. I don't have to spend much time defining what faith is. I'm working under the assumption that you understand some things about faith. I will say this, that remember that faith is not just believing something enough to where you obtain it. You know, like faith in your faith. If I just want it bad enough and think positive thoughts and send positive vibes, that way I can obtain what I want. It's not faith. Faith is always grounded in promise. It's always grounded in the word of God. It's, I like to call it active faith, where I'm, I'm acting in obedience to what God has already said or revealed. And that's what we're talking about here, guys. And so what I want to do for the remainder of my time for the next several hours, um, just kidding, is uh, just pick out three or four pro tips on faith. Now, when I say pro tips, it's not because I think I'm a pro at it. I'm not. Um, but... What I mean is some, some just some real practical handles that show up in the text, but I think bear out in, in many other places in Scripture. So um, if you are taking notes, you can jot these down. Um, if you think it's noteworthy, if not, just smile and nod wherever you are right now. But here's a couple of things. The first thing I want to look at and, and encourage you in, and actually, let me, let me just stop for a moment because I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, before I get into those points, I want to make sure that this is, this is clear. The reason I'm sharing this is because I believe that right now, wherever you're at watching this or listening, that God is wanting to do more in you and for you and through you than you can possibly imagine. And that right now, there's probably some area in your life where you have to operate in faith. And I would even say that there are some of you that are at, that are at a Jordan River moment in your life where God has spoken, he's given direction, but there is a huge obstacle between you and what that promise is. And that at some point, God is gonna have you step out in faith. And I think that this can be an encouragement to you, especially if you're in that place. So um, let's look at these. I'm gonna give you, like I said, three or four little points, little pro tips on faith. The first one is, and this is found in the first couple of verses, is this, embrace the divine delays. Embrace the divine delays. What do I mean by that? Where do, I, where do I see that? Well, I don't know if you caught the flow of this chronologically, but there's a sequence here. Um, contextually, what has happened is this. In chapter one, they were told, look, guys, prepare to cross over in three days. Remember that? And then what happened? In chapter two, the spies were sent in, and they came back after three days. When the spies came back, and as you read the end of chapter two, it seems like there was like this excitement in the air, like, dude, let me tell you what happened with Rahab. And there's all, man, she, they, they know we're coming. They're freaking out. The city's ours. Yeah. Like there's this excitement of like, God's really doing this. And you get the sense they're like, let's go. Because like early the next morning, they, they, they pull up stakes. They go the six miles from Shittim down to the riverbank. 
And you can almost sense it's like, okay, here we go, let's do this. What are we doing? I don't know, but here we are. And then what does it say? They lodged there. And then after three more days, it's like there was all this excitement. And then they got down to the water's edge. And then there was radio silence for another three days. Now, at the end of that three days, the commanders go through and give them further instructions. But guys, to me, that is such a pattern of God. There'll be um, a word, there'll be like some big confirmation, there'll be this excitement. And then right when you're ready to just like at the apex of your faith, jump out and do whatever it is God wants you to do, it's like he pumps the brakes and there can be just silence and a quietness. And God, that is such a valuable time. I feel like in my life personally, I'm at one of those moments where I know that God is leading us and calling us to go and do something, but there's this little delay. There's this little built-in delay. And, and it's hard to embrace that delay, but it's in that delay that, that God is doing something. Number one, what he's doing is, or 1A, if you want to be technical, he's trying to deepen our, our trust. I really believe he's trying to deepen our trust. At the core meaning of the word faith, it's trust. What do I mean? For me, it's easy to, after I've heard a word, after I have like that confirmation and the excitement, to just charge ahead kind of on, you know, riding that wave. But a lot of times, once I've had that word or confirmation or whatever's happened, and then it goes silent, I can start doubting. I can start just like, well, maybe that didn't happen, or maybe God didn't mean it, or now I don't see anything happen. And guys, we need to learn to trust God when he's quiet. We need to learn to trust God when um, things are just happening. We need to be able to just say, okay, it's on his timing and not mine. And that's hard for me to do. It's hard for a lot of us to do. But embrace those quiet times. Uh, kind of building on that, um, I think God allows those delays to quiet us down, to still our hearts so that we can um, get further instructions. I don't know if you, you know, it's subtle, but what happened there, when they were waiting those three days, it was during that time that they came by and said, oh, and by the way, here's how we're going to do it. They didn't have all the instructions at that point. They were just riding the wave of excitement. You guys, that's where we can get in trouble. Well, God's leading us, but he wants to delay us for the purpose of giving us further instruction and quietening our heart. And, and if we're not careful, we can just charge ahead. What would they have done? Start building boats? Like they didn't even know that God was gonna separate the waters yet. They could have like, started, well, grab a log, we'll just float across or find another path, let's build a bridge. I don't know what they were gonna do, but what they really needed to do was just calm down and listen. And that's so hard to do. I am convinced that the hardest part of faith is waiting, is waiting quietly but guys, that's when so much of the heart work happens. That's where we quiet, we learn to hear God's voice. You know, there's a saying in our culture, like, you know, don't just sit there, do something. But sometimes we need to flip that and say, don't just do something, sit there. Learn to be quiet, learn to hear his voice. And that, that is a tough place to be. And the third little sub point I want to make on this idea of embracing the delay, and I am speculating, I, I will definitely, you know, admit that I'm speculating a little but I believe those delays are there also to bring us to an end of ourselves. Here's what I mean. For three days, they had a front row seat to a muddy, flooded river. And they just sat there and looked at it for three days. And I can't help but wonder if while that was happening, they thought, this is impossible. 
How in the heck are we supposed to? God said, we're going over there. I can see Jericho over there, but there's this flooding river in front of me. How in the world am I going to get over there? And guys, I think that's by design. I think he's going to do it again with Jericho when they march around Jericho and they see just how big those walls are. I think God does that on purpose. Why? So that we understand that unless God does it, it's impossible. See, we have this nasty habit of wanting to control everything, manipulate everything. And if you are like me, I need to be brought to a place where I just realize I can't do this. I can't fix my family. I can't change my income necessarily. I can't make that loved one walk with the Lord. I, there's, this obstacle is too big for me. And that's important because you need and I need to come to a place where we get on our face before God and say, God, unless you're in this, it's not going to happen. I can't do that. And I think that's an important place to be. Otherwise, all the while we think that we're able and we can change it. We can manipulate it. We can muscle through it. But then what happens? We end up kind of taking the glory. But when you get to that place and you're like, God, unless you do this, it's not going to happen. Who gets all the glory? He does. And you get to see him work. So that's really the first thing is embrace those divine delays. Wherever God's got you, and maybe it seems like he's pumped the brakes, there's a reason behind it. He's quieting your heart. Maybe there's further instruction. Maybe he's wanting you to see just how big that obstacle is. Another thing I learned from this is, number two, um, simply follow Jesus. This point can be so simple, you can miss it. Here's what I mean. When you go back to the text and look at verse uh, three, when he finally gets to the point where their commanders are instructing the children of Israel at the end of that three days, look what it says. He says, and he commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried, dot, 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 he says, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Do you see the simplicity in that? Here's what their whole role was. See Ark, follow Ark. That was it. I love that. The Ark, as you know by now, I'm sure, uh, at the very least represents the presence of God. Something of his glory was around that ark and over that ark. It speaks of the, the presence of God. It ultimately speaks of Jesus himself. You guys, this is, as I was telling Zach earlier today, that this is kind of the key. It's not only the how, but it's the why. It's the how to walk by faith, and it's the, listen, the why to walk by faith. What do I mean? It's the how. Again, it sounds simple, but just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. Example, golf. You hit a ball into a hole. It's simple. It's not easy. It's really hard. And this is simple, but it's not easy. This is the key. Just as the ark represents the Lord, they were to fix their eyes on the Lord. And when he moved, move after him, follow him. Where he goes, go. Guys, that is the whole key. The whole idea of walking by faith is this. Just stay as close as you can to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Watch Jesus. That's how you end up walking by faith. And it's the why. He's the reason. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to put this. This is the, my best stab at it. But um, let me just read it so I don't get it, get it wrong. Great acts of faith sometimes are a simple byproduct of just trying to be where Jesus is. Great acts of faith are byproducts of simply trying to be where Jesus is. Example, when Peter walked on water, 
You guys remember that? When Peter walked on water, remember how that actually played out? They're in the boat. Jesus rolls up, you know, walking on the water. They're freaking out. They think it's a ghost. And he's like, don't sweat it. It's just me. Uh, loose paraphrase there. And, um, and Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me and you know, I'll come to you. And he says, it's me. So Peter like steps out and walks on water. We oftentimes focus on the fact that he failed and he started sinking. Yeah, but he walked on water. He's like the only guy that did. And so why did he walk on water? I don't think it was because he was like, bros, check this out. I'm going to walk on water. It was more of like, Jesus is there. I want to be where Jesus is. It's safer with Jesus than in the boat with these clowns. I want to be where he is. So by virtue of the fact that he just was trying to get close to Jesus, guess what happened? He walked on water. I know this sounds overly simplistic, but guys, when your focus is just to follow wherever Jesus is leading you, you'll end up doing amazing things, not because you're trying to do amazing things, but it's just a byproduct of a life following hard after Jesus. Guys, I've seen this play out in my life so many times when you just want to be where he is. It's funny to me, sometimes people, you know, with us, we're getting ready to go on a, on a big leap of faith to, to Germany and on the mission field, and people are like, what's driving that? And they think I'm joking, I think, sometimes, when I say, I think Jesus is telling us to go there. That's it. There's no ulterior motive. We just want to do what Jesus is telling us to do. We just want to be where Jesus is, where we're closest to him and walking in obedience to him. So guys, he is the how and the why. Just stay close to him. Just seek to be with him. Simply follow him. And great acts of faith, I think, follow that. A couple more, and I'll go quickly here, but in the text, you'll also see there in, in verse five, in this preparation of this big step of faith, it says in verse five, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. This is what I'm gonna just mention, and I really want you just to maybe think about it, go talk to Jesus about it later. But it's an important part of this faith walk, and that is a consecrated heart. Right before they do this, this big, you know, grandiose new adventure, God says, but before we do this, I want you to consecrate yourselves. It's not the first time he said that. He said that to their parents around Mount Sinai, consecrate yourself, tomorrow you're going to meet with God, basically. Later he'll say it again, consecrate in the book of Numbers, because this is about to happen. It seems as though he does that right before some big event happens in their life. And I think that's important. You know, the word consecrate or separate, I'm not sure what version of the Bible, you know, you're looking at right now, but it all kind of stems from the same word, the word of of being holy in the Old Testament. And the idea of holiness is is not, you know, um, you know, perfect, righteous, blameless, you know, perfection. The idea of holiness means to be set apart. Set apart from something and set apart to something. From the world to the Lord. The visual is that, you know, like a, like a utensil that was used in the tabernacle worship or the temple worship, that that thing was set apart for exclusive use for the temple, for God's glory. You don't take that shovel that was designed to scoop out ashes from the bottom of the, the altar and go dig a latrine with it, you know, in the middle of the camp. You know, they would go, what are you doing? That's a holy shovel. That thing's been set aside for holy use, right? So, The same idea with us, you guys, is that, you know, what God is really wanting from us is not to just do great things and big things in our life. He wants our heart. 
And this is so important when you're walking with the Lord in a, in a walk of faith is that he wants your whole heart. And when you are face to face with, with a situation where you've got to exercise faith and trust God, I don't know about you, but the way it works out in my life is that that is always a fresh opportunity to re-consecrate my heart, to just say, God, you know what? Can you just look in my life right now and tell me and show me if there's anything that's, that's hindering my walk with you that's not right in my life? And I just want to, in a fresh way, get rid of those things and just once again dedicate myself to you and be wholehearted and all in, if you would, for you, Lord. Where are you at right now? Where are you at today, honestly? Are you all in? Is your heart all God's? Would you say, God, I will do anything you ask me to do? I mean, that's a piercing question. It's just actually not on my notes, but on my heart right now. I think that's a healthy question to ask. Is there a governor where you stop following the Lord? Is there, is there a line where I'll follow the Lord and I'll trust God up to this point, but after that, mm, I won't do it? I think it's a healthy, honest question to ask yourself, Lord, am I all yours? Am I fully set apart for you? Is, do I trust you in every area of my life? And if, you, if you're not there, that's cool. Be honest with God about it. Go talk to him about it. But this is an important aspect. He doesn't say sharpen your swords. He doesn't say do this or that. He says consecrate your heart. That's the most important thing. And then lastly, um, and, and this is a quick one. Again, I'll just kind of touch on it. But uh, not only in review are they to you know, embrace those divine delays and simply follow and consecrate their hearts, but I also think that they were to have um, expectation in their heart. Here's what I mean by that. There in verse five, when he says, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. God says, get ready because I know it looks crazy and impossible, but get ready because God is going to do wonders tomorrow. Now, I, to me, what that, that means is God was saying, be ready, be expectant. You know, I, I have found that so often in my life, I'm, I'm trying to walk by faith and I, I'm praying for something specific, but I really don't expect him to do anything about it. A lot of my prayers are not prayers of faith where I'm praying and I'm expecting, I don't know how, it doesn't have to be like I say or how I expect it to play out, but I know God's gonna do something. So often my prayers are so faithless. It's more like just worrying out loud. That's, that's my prayer so often. And yet Jesus told us to pray in a way that says, hey, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. John tells us, you know, this is our confidence that he, he, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have whatever we've asked for. We're not telling God how to do it or what to do, but I do believe we need to have an expectancy that God is gonna do something. You know, the verse I've been writing for so long right now is uh, Psalm 37, five that says, um, commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. I was telling Zach about this uh, the other day is that so often what I want is I want God to act and then I'll trust him and then I'll commit my way. And it's the exact opposite. God says, no, you get your way, you know, commit your way to me, trust me and I'll act. I will act on your behalf. I love that. So important. So um, those are the ones I just wanted to pull out. And I wanna just say this in closing. I wanna just end it the same way I started it. Guys, look, 
As believers, we're not going into a promised land. We're not going into real estate or some, you know, physical place as Christians. God has called us to a promised life of blessing and fullness and victory and conquest and forward motion in the things of the Lord. And none of that happens apart from faith. What area in your life today is God asking you to trust Him in? It could be a silent time. It could be, a, it could be as easy as like, well, actually He just wants me in faith, continue in my job every single day faithfully. Or maybe He's calling you to step out in a ministry or, or you know, move in some way. I don't know. But in what area is God asking you to trust him? And then I'll say this is I do believe, again, that there's a few of you that are at the Jordan River moment right now. And God is maybe wanting to do something great and totally different than you've ever expected in your life. And it's going to require you, when the time is right, to trust him and just step out, to relinquish control of your own life and just be all in. Guys, um, let's not just be those that hear the stories about what God did in our parents' lives, and our grandparents' lives. I think God wants to do a new thing in a new generation, and it's through people that are just gonna, with reckless abandon, say, I'm gonna trust the Lord. I'll end with this statement. I heard it recently. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequence. May the Lord give you direction and wisdom. Take some of these nuggets and go pray about them. Spend time with the Lord. Amen? All right, Father, we thank you so much. I pray you take this little exhortation and use it to spur on the faith and trust of, of your believers. Um, God, we don't want to just talk about things and dream about. We, Lord, we want to truly follow you as you lead us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.